And London Town is the home base of our friend and journalism colleague, Chris Sharp, who is the editor and publisher of uh, a newsletter that uh, that uh, we've been talking about, the Liberation Times. And you can subscribe to it. We've got a link on our website to his most recent article. If you want to sign up and get on his list, uh, he'll send you articles that, uh, of things that not many other journalists are covering. Uh, insight into the UAP, UFO mystery, all the different developments that are unfolding before our eyes. We have Chris for another hour. We'll get to some of your questions here in just a little bit. So stick around for more Coast to Coast AM. Chris Sharp, there's there's so many different developments, all assorted kind of things breaking on this topic. It's hard to keep up with them all. Someone just had sent me a, uh, a, a tweet about Barack Obama, former president who has joined with Netflix in the production of a film about the Betty and Barney Hill case. And if you had told me 10 years ago that was going to happen, I would have said you're crazy. But you know, because Barack Obama wasn't exactly the disclosure president. Uh, you know, there were citizen petitions that were submitted to him when he was in the White House. 25,000 or more people signed it, and he basically brushed it off. The White House did, saying there's there's no evidence. Since these revelations of the past couple of years, though, he's been much more forthcoming. It's, it's an amazing um, period of transition, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And my good friend, Marek von Runningkamp, who writes The Hill, actually oh, yeah. uh, used to work with uh, Barack Obama. And um, I, I do say to him now and then, please, uh, please transmit the news and what's going on. <laughs> and also try and get a quote from Barack as well. Um, haven't had much success yet, but um, we'll see how we get on. As you have noted in your reporting, uh, you know, it is a bipartisan issue to a large extent. In the Senate, you've now got Chuck Schumer and Marco Rubio, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand uh, and Mark Warner and uh, out in front on this issue, making very bold public statements in the House. I, I think the leadership uh, has come mostly from the Republican side, but not exclusively. Tim Burchett. Um, I know a lot of Democrats don't like Tim Burchett because of his position on other issues. He's a very conservative guy from from uh, Tennessee. But on this issue, man, he's been a champion. And and he is for he's sort of leading the charge for a hearing that's going to happen July 26th. What can you tell us about that? So that there is supposed to be a hearing that's going to take place on July the 26th. Um, from my understanding, it's about 95% certain that it will be that date, but there may be some just last pieces of detail, let's say, that they have to um, discuss first before that can officially be announced. Uh, it may be the Oversight Committee. It, it most likely will be the Oversight Committee, but the question we have to ask is, would it be the actual House Oversight Committee itself that the public hearing takes place? Or will it be one of its subcommittees? Um, and also in terms of witnesses as well, I mean, I have no knowledge on witnesses, uh, but um, let's just say that um, I expect the witnesses to be bombshell and I expect them not to be bureaucrats like we've had for the previous hearings. I expect it to be people who have actually got first-hand experience we're dealing with UAP and can actually help educate the public in terms of what we're actually dealing with. Well, I can tell you, I do have a certain amount of insight into who the witnesses will be, at least uh, some of them, and uh, it should be pretty good stuff. Uh, but just for the House to have this, and and Representative Burchett has promised it will be bipartisan, that there's going to be a Democrat or two on there to help ask questions and hear the testimony. So that's encouraging. Uh, I, you know, they, the the uh, 
it is a rare issue in Washington where you can have support for something on both sides of the aisle because they basically don't agree on anything anymore. Absolutely. And, you know, the White House has now signaled its support for looking into the UAP topic. So, again, Democrats have cover now to actually be more upfront about discussing this key issue. And I think this hearing is going to be theater. I think it's going to be political theater. All the best hearings throughout history have always had an element of political theater in terms of drama and shocking bombshells. And I think that's what we can expect from this hearing. Not Again, not just something with a you know, a bureaucrat who's trying to give the most boring answer that they possibly can and discussing nuances in terms of, you know, what about this bit of funding, what about that bit of funding? Although I would also say that funding is key, especially for the Arrow. But I think what the public has always expected from hearings in terms of UAP is something more dramatic. And I think that we can expect that from this hearing. And I do know that the people who are advocating this issue on the in, from the inside do want something reminiscent of the Church Committee, which exposed things such as MKUltra. And um, it would not surprise me at this point, in terms of my assessment, if we do arrive at that destination of having a Church Committee in terms of investigating all the illegal programs that have been hidden from Congress. Um, and, I, and I think also following this hearing as well, I think we can expect more hearings to come, um, perhaps again from Burchett. Um, but maybe from other committees within both the House and the, the Senate as well. I think it would require that. Uh, the church committee, of course, went on for a, a period of time, had multiple co- uh, hearings in, in public, and the testimony was uh, riveting, of course. And, and I think that this topic certainly would, would need uh, that kind of exposure because there's so much to cover. Don't you agree? Absolutely. And uh, I, I, I think we are... We are getting to this destination now, and um, I think we can have some pretty big names perhaps showing up at some of these hearings in terms of public officials. And um, I think in many people's minds, that's when it's going to start to feel really real, where household names in terms of previous administrations um, start speaking out about this. But look, it's it's time for this to come out, you know, and I think our good friend Jeremy Corbell has put the question out there to us saying, you know, what's triggered all this? You know, why all of a sudden are we getting Chuck Schumer um, putting out this legislation? Why are we getting hearings? What has triggered all this? You know, these are really, really big politicians. They won't just go out on a dime in terms of this. You know, they would need to have some compelling information that has made them do this. Right. And um, I think that's what we're seeing the fruits of now. What do you think happens to Arrow in the wake of all of this? They're sort of on the sideline of all the action that's taking place. You know, they you know, Arrow has basically been a pretty big disappointment to folks uh, on my side of this issue who were hoping that it would be uh, uh, more affirmative in, in what it gets done on this. And the statements from Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick have really been disappointing. So I wonder if you've given any thought to, what role they will have in the, in the new landscape if all this legislation passes? Gosh, it looks pretty bleak. If I'm Kirkpatrick at this point, I'm thinking about resigning. Yeah. I mean, he, he's almost left in an impossible situation. I mean, even if he did want to really get to the bottom of this, he is hamstrung because 
the Arrow is still, despite the law saying otherwise, still reporting operationally, from my understanding, to um, the the Office of the Undersecretary of Defence for Intelligence and Security, um, which is Moultrie. And, um, you know, that is the office that has been widely accused of basically intimidating whistleblowers. And it, it's really astonishing that you still have them taking ownership of the arrow. Um, you know, it just begs the question, you know, if you did want to make progress on this and you were Kirkpatrick, could you, you know, with the track record of this office that it sits within? Um, so, yeah, it, it would not surprise me at this point if the, if Kirkpatrick did, did resign. And look, this new legislation, this um, new review board, um, a lot of its activities would actually uh, mimic what or reflect what the Arrow does, you know, such as speaking to um, to witnesses of UAP events. And um, I, I, I really, I really am a little bit afraid at the moment for Kirkpatrick and the fate of the Arrow because they are tasked with investigating active cases, new, new cases in terms of UAP sightings and historic ones as well. So if Kirkpatrick leaves, you know, does that derail what the Arrow is doing in terms of these ongoing investigations? Um, well, but I, I suppose the key to that would be his replacement. Well, we don't really know what they're doing because uh, we don't know what their staff is. We don't know what their budget is. They don't exactly release a lot of information or reports. Uh, the public uh, doesn't really have a clear picture of what the heck they're up to. And I already reported a couple of months ago before these big developments that Kirkpatrick was likely to leave at the end of the year, even before all these things happened. So uh, my my uh, prediction hasn't changed. Let me ask you one more question before we go, go to the phones. You mentioned Susan Goff, who is the single person at the Department of Defense who is authorized and allowed to answer questions about UAP, UFO matters. What is that working relationship like? Because a lot of people in my line of work do not have a good working relationship there. And we've we've had to basically figure out trick ways to get other people to ask her questions on our behalf. So is it a productive relationship? Do you run into roadblocks? What's it like? It is a very productive relationship. Um, I don't know. I can't explain how because I can't say that I've entirely been nice to her. For example, um, you know, when word was getting around that Lou was working with the Space Force, for months, you know, citizens and journalists were saying, look, Susan, can you confirm this? And they were getting nowhere. Uh, so I basically, uh, I, I started speaking to Sue and I said, look, I'm launching a formal complaint um, in terms of you. And the press office not getting back to me in terms of this simple question, does Louis Lozondo have a role within Space Force? After launching that complaint, I got an answer. You know, and it was the same as well in terms of definition of um, extraterrestrial. Um, I basically stated that they weren't, they weren't giving me information. They, they couldn't deny that it included non-human intelligence. And because I did that, it bounced the Pentagon into actually confirming that it did include non-human intelligences. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's been a mixed bag uh, for a lot of journalists who deal with, with that office. Uh, so I'm glad you've had at least a little bit of success. Let's take a call or two. On the wildcard line, we go to Ranger Sean in Washington State. Hi, Sean. What's on your mind? Hey, George. I just, first of all, I want to tell you that I am a huge fan 
I uh, just am really thankful for all the investigative work that you've done and the time that you've done um, or you've put in uh, investigating all of the paranormal stuff. I will, I'm, this is how old I am, George. I loved your Chupacabra story. <laughs> <laughs> it goes so, back a ways. Uh, and just to qualify myself, uh, I, was a, uh, I was in the Army for 33 years. I spent a little bit over 11 years with the 2nd Ranger Battalion. Oh. Um, I stayed in the special operations community, and when the Forever War happened, I spent a large part of my time in Afghanistan. But one of the things that happened to me, especially after we got put under the uh, JSOC umbrella, was that Ground Branch, which is CIA's military arm, would come and recruit uh, specific people um, to go and do these recovery uh, missions. I was on a couple of those. One was in Arizona, and the other one, the other one was in Alaska. Actually, I think it was in British Columbia, but I don't know that for sure. Um, I, I never saw anything. They were there was concentric rings of security, and those of us that were not part of that group were kept on the outer ring so that we just didn't see anything at all. And, and you, on those types of ops, you never get any information regarding what you're doing or where you're going. But I, I working with that group, I know that they were picking up something that didn't belong to us. And I also was with that group on two different occasions where they used faux uh, UFOs for whatever reason over some pretty significant uh, sized American cities. Now, yeah, like a diversion or a, a training exercise? What was it? Well, I think it was a training exercise for us, but I think it was also them doing research on how is, these, how is this large group of people going to react when they see something like that, like Phoenix. I believe wholeheartedly that that was American uh, military, CIA, or whoever whoever it is that's that shadow government that's dealing with all of these. I think that was definitely their largest operation to date. When they can take a craft that large, drive it right over the top of Phoenix, and have, I mean, people with, with that are serious civic leaders reaching out, crying out, going, what is this? What is going on? And getting no answers at all. Yeah, that just reeks of the government. Because if it was an alien... They would, we, were, we would be going to war and, you know, red, white, and blue and all of that stuff, right? So I just have a hard time believing that that wasn't a military operation and that they continue to do those. Like Louis Lozondo or I don't even Elizondo, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't trust that guy at all. He just reeks of, of a CIA case officer. Um, you just, uh, and then you try to nail him down on anything that he spent all of that money on. And all he's got is our, our videos that were going to be leaked by those pilots anyway. So. I'd have to disagree with you there, Sean, because I think where we are right now, all those developments, to some extent, they, they wouldn't have happened without Lou Elizondo stepping forward and sharing the information that he did. Maybe it would have happened in some other way, but it didn't. It happened because of him. But let me ask you this. You got glimpses of what you think were some sort of a, a military retrieval program. If you had solid information, would you as a whistleblower come forward? Would you feel comfortable talking about it to people like Chris or me or Congress? Well, I'm not even sure. I'm not going to get a phone call talking to you about Ground Branch. Uh, yeah, I absolutely would. One, you know, one of the things that um, that they look at when they recruit guys like us for jobs like, like that is, is our patriotism. They also look, and this is kind of odd, but they, to a man, uh, one of the operations groups that I was involved with, to a man, we were we all have deep spiritual backgrounds. 
What that's about, I'm not sure. But, you know, I also know that, you know, I have a friend of mine that's a psychologist that vets people for law enforcement, and they look when they, you know, recruit somebody for law enforcement and they do that psych exam, they want them on the borderline of being there's the crook and the cop are like one degree separation in the personality matrix. <laughs> because without that ability, they want there would be a good catching crooks, right? So they need them. And then the CIA, I know for a fact that the CIA, specifically when they recruit case officers, want people that are almost a sociopath and are, what is that, um, the one where uh, oh, narcissist, narcissistic, because they need someone that will pull off some crazy move in the front of God and everybody, and people will think there's no way he did that because there were so many people around. You know what thanks, I mean? uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts with us, Sean. I want to bring Chris back into this conversation uh, because you've raised some interesting uh, points. Uh, Chris, would you, the current whistleblower protections that, that exist now, do you think that they are strong enough to encourage people to come forward or to whistleblowers after hearing Sean Kirkpatrick have to worry about whether it's a good idea or not? I think, I think they're worried about coming to the arrow and Kirkpatrick because, I mean, it doesn't even seem that they're taking notes when they're giving testimony to the arrow. And sometimes they're done in terms of this testimony taken um, through unsecure phone lines. Um, so that is deeply troubling. But look, um, from, from my understanding, a lot of whistleblowers may actually be choosing to go directly to Congress and, and bypassing the arrow. Um, Senator Gillibrand has already said that whistleblowers, um, she, she said on, on, on Matt Ford's um, show that whistleblowers can actually come forward speaking to her office instead. um, We'll talk with Chris Sharp of Liberation Times. Need to go to a break here, Chris. We'll come back with more calls. We're talking with Chris Sharp, uh, editor publisher of the Liberation Times. In his most recent article, he talks about the specific language in this proposed amendment to the defense bill and in which non-human intelligence is defined as any sentient, intelligent, non-human life form regardless of nature or ultimate origin, that may be presumed responsible for unidentified anomalous phenomena or of which the federal government has become aware. Amazing to have that language printed in a bill proposed by the Senate Majority Leader. If you have questions for Chris about UFO disclosure or upcoming hearings or what's going on in Washington, we'll be right back and you've got a chance to call in. Chris, I want to mention one other definition that you include in your most recent article, and then we'll go back to the phones. But you have another definition in there of technologies of unknown origin are defined as any materials or metamaterials, ejecta, crash debris, mechanisms, machinery, equipment, assemblies or subassemblies, engineering models or processes, damaged or intact aerospace vehicles, and damaged or intact ocean surface and undersea craft, associated with UAP, or incorporating science and technology that lacks prosaic attribution or known means of human manufacture. I mean, it's almost funny how far they have gone with this language to try to cut off any ways to wiggle around it. Absolutely. They've all seen the Pentagon responses, I think, and um, they know all the tricks they may be using, so they can actually evade these questions and evade... Perhaps let's say the truth, that we are dealing with non-human intelligences 
and craft materials that do not have a prosaic explanation. They've had some good advice from somebody uh, in crafting this. Absolutely. Someone knows all the tricks that the Pentagon is playing in terms of actually answering questions and being honest. Um, Hopefully, quite soon, I may be able to get confirmation on whether the Arrow has found anything of unknown origin. Uh, So I'll keep you all updated if I do find anything else out from Susan Goff. Sure. I, I wonder if you can give us the view from the UK about what's happening in the US. I know the Daily Mail covers these issues, but other than that, is any uh, British media paying attention, doing any actual in-depth reporting? No, not really. Um, you do have big, big publications like the Telegraph uh, reporting on it, but more or less their stories are relegated to the bottom. They're like basically cut-and-paste cut stories, um, and they're not really actually doing any investigation into them or giving them any prominence at all within their publications, uh, which is quite a sad situation. But um, I, I would say that um, our recent story, or your recent story, which I reported on, in terms of the Five Eyes um, recovery materials alleged program involving UAP, um, I did contact the UK MOD uh, regarding this, and um, the response that I got wasn't usual, let's say. It was quite abnormal compared to what I usually get when I ask UAP questions. They seemed to panic um, when I started asking questions about that. Um, So I think something's up. I I think that politicians are taking an interest. Um, There may be truth behind um, suggestions that AUKUS, an alliance between Australia, um, the UK and the US, may be looking to release information um, relating to UAP is suggested by Larry Maguire from Canada, the politician. Um, I will say, I will say um, an interesting story, though, a quick one. Um, I was contacted by a young journalist from Cornwall recently, which is southwest England, in terms of um, advice and stuff in relation to reporting on the UAP topic. And um, they mentioned there, there um, this person mentioned that his granddad took an interest in UAP. And um, I asked who his granddad was, and um, his granddad happened to be Sir John Knott. Um, so Sir John Knott was the former Defence Secretary oh. under Margaret Thatcher, oh. and he was appointed to that position days after the Rendlesham Forest incident. And uh, he just tells me that um, he thinks, well, I, I, always, I won't expand too much, but Let's just say Sir John Knott does seem to be asking questions about UAP, and um, I'll leave it at that. Well, I look forward to seeing that story in the Liberation Times. We'll go back to the phones. Uh, Dr. Walk in Victorville, California. Hi, doctor. What's on your mind? Yes, uh, I was trying to – I've been a ufologist, a private ufologist, for 50 to 60 years when I was five years old. I met extraterrestrials when I was five years old before to start school, and they showed me, they did a demonstration. They showed me their ability to create a localized field where time slows down. It slows down to zero. It doesn't go all the way back to zero. And uh, my background, I was a hospital pharmacist for 30 years, and I did work in Las Vegas, too. 
at the Lake Mead Hospital. Back then it was called Community North Las Vegas Hospital. And I worked in hospital pharmacy in California, all over California. So I had a 30-year career. I'm basically retired, but I've been a ufologist. And uh, I would like to, uh, for Christopher Sharp, I'd like to ask him if there should be legal amnesty to direct extraterrestrial contactees and ufologists. But I'm a private ufologist, so I don't write books. And the reason I don't do that is because I had the men in black approach me several times. The last time was 2009. And they, they know if I move, they know where I live. So the reason nobody knows about me, including people in ufology. But I did go to the contact in the desert for Friday recently, and I gave my documents to Nick Pope, Richard Dolan, Paul Hynek, and Michael Schratt. I had documents that prove the back engineering program that went way, way back to the 1930s, and I have hard evidence that they back-engineered electrogravedics a long time ago, and and it could have been back uh, even earlier, like 1890s, the Tesla material. Nikola Tesla was working on electrogravedics, but they broke into his lab in New York City, and they burned down his lab, but they took all his scientific research papers out. Now, we don't know if it's a private group, like a private German group or and a foreign government, but all Tesla's work was confiscated. He had electrogravedics. I tell you what, doctor, let's, uh, let's, you've got a lot to chew on here, so let's whittle it down just a bit. I, I want to get Chris's reaction. Chris, I think uh, the primary question was asking about whether private citizens who have sensitive information would need their own form of whistleblower protection. Um, uh, doctor, I would think that the only way that would be true is if you uh, purloined material, classified stuff out of a, a government program, but uh, maybe Chris has another thought on it. Yeah, I would say that unless you've done anything illegal or been involved in anything illegal, um, I, I would say that you, you should be free to, to speak. You know, maybe you can contact a representative um, just to put your story on, on the record, basically. And um, it's interesting what you say about time slowing down. I mean, there have been reports that um, naval aviators have been in the skies and they have lost track of time. Um, and that there are there are sensors and there there is um, measurable equipment to basically give some veracity to to those claims basically um, and that's when they're quite close to to craft um, so, so that's quite interesting you mentioned that yeah if you have definitive evidence make it public or send it to your elected members in, of Congress uh, but if it needs to come out hope you'll take the steps to to share it. Hey, if you want to share it with me, I'll take a look at it. Uh, thanks for the call. We're going to Ken in Idaho. Hi, Ken. Good morning. You're on with Chris Sharp of Liberation Times. Hi, George. Um, hey, um, I, I believe that that this whole thing is is a ruse. I think that the, the, the government, the one world government in particular, wants everybody to think that, they, first of all, they're trying to, to force everybody to believe that there's aliens, which I don't believe. I think there's angels and demons. I totally believe that. But I think that they want everyone to, to believe that they're the only ones that can talk to them. They don't want any private people talking to them. 
if they're, you know, because they don't want anybody to find out that it's all a lie. Um, because I think that they're going to have, they're going to stage an attack. They have, uh, they have technology that they can, uh, you know, project uh, holograms and, and make it look real. It's going to be a, a great a way to divide the people against each other. Okay. Well, who's going to launch this attack? The COVID thing was used. I'm sorry. Who's going to launch the attack? I'm, I'm so, I, could, I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry. You said somebody's going to launch an attack. Who's going to launch yeah. it? Yeah, there's going to be an attack. And From the whom? government is going to be the only one that can talk to them. You know, the government's going to say, well, we're in contact with them. You know, we're, we, you know, you have to do what we tell you to do. It's going to be used in the way that the COVID thing was used to take control over everybody. That's well, what I, I think is coming. I think yeah. I totally believe that there's angels and demons and there's forces that beyond our imagination out there. But I don't think that aliens, um, I mean, all we have basically is some some photos and Photoshop stuff. We don't have any hard core evidence. I mean, body parts that anybody's actually seen in real life. Well, I don't know that that's true anymore, Ken. We've heard some uh, testimony from David Grush about other people who've already appeared before Congress under oath who say they have had hands-on experience. But you're right. We haven't seen it yet. And uh, if this is a plot, it's taken a really long time to unveil it. Chris, you want to respond to any of that? No, absolutely. So, yeah, if I do find any information corroborating those claims, obviously I'll look to um, I'll look to, to report it. Basically, if I can find anything um, compelling um, relating to that, um, and that's where I go. I, I go where the where the evidence takes me, basically, as a reporter. So, look, I, I don't take anything off the table, and um, if it is true, then I will look to report it. I would add this, Ken, is that one man's, uh, one person's uh, alien could be somebody else's demon or angel. We don't really know what these beings are. We just know they're not us. And um, there's quite a bit of evidence to suggest that it's something uh, non-human. Um, but I don't know anybody who has an actual answer. And aliens, if you mean space aliens, there are a lot of folks who do not think that that is the answer. And in fact, a lot of other people who think that it might be more than one answer, that we might be talking about uh, several different kinds of entities. Uh, So thanks for the call, and thanks for sharing your perspective. Uh, We're going to go to Cornelius in Louisiana. Hi, Cornelius. What's on your mind? Hey there, George and Chris. And that Ken guy that was just on, that's Project Blue Bean. So you can look up Project Blue Bean. Um, I was just telling Donna Walker, the call screener, George, you've been spotlighted on News Nation and everything. And I'm going to call Chucky Schumer and Tim uh, Burgess and tell them, you know, we need to get on top of this. But I'm like Ken to a certain extent. I'm the God, guns, and gold man, the Bible, bullets, and beans man. So I think it's a demonic (laughs) deception that they're going to do on us. But if you read the Bible, Ezekiel saw a wheel within a wheel. And Jacob's ladder, he saw angels ascending and descending. But I can't wait till disclosure. And George, you and Art Bell, and of course George Norway, all three of y'all have been on top of this. I wish Art Bell was still alive to see all of this come through. So God bless you, George Knapp. And Chris, like I said, I think they're going to try to disclose this stuff. 
Thank you. Thanks, Cornelius. You know, I yeah, I wish Art Bell were still around as well. Um, I, just to reiterate, because uh, it sort of touches on what Ken, the previous caller, said about angels, demon, demons, uh, other beings. We don't really know the answers to the big questions about who the non-human intelligence might be. So I don't close the door on any of this stuff. You know, some of these beings have not uh, behaved in a really friendly way. We don't know what the long-term intentions of some of them, let alone all of them, might be. Right, Chris? Absolutely, yeah. I I take the same opinion as you, and I think that we're talking about various intelligences. Some may be from this planet, even, um, and some may be from other dimensions and other planets. So I I think we may be dealing with a whole host of things. I mean, we're dealing, you know, life and nations and powers are so complex on this earth alone. But now we're dealing with the whole universe. So I I think, you know, we we can't really simplify it. I I think it is inevitably going to be complex. Well, as as we've said earlier tonight, no one that we know has the answers to the really big questions, who they are, where they're from, why they're here, what their interest is in us. There might be multiple answers to each of those questions, and any one of them could be pretty disturbing. It's a lot to absorb in a short amount of time. I know for people who follow this avidly, they can't get the answers soon enough. They feel it's really gone pretty slowly. Uh, For me, who's been at it for a long time, it seems to be amazingly fast. I don't know what your perspective on uh, that is about how quickly change has happened, but what's happened over the last two weeks has been absolutely flabbergasting. Yeah, and that's one other thing that I kind of feel a little bit uneasy about because there seems to be a sense of urgency. And you sometimes ask yourself, is there something happening that we should be a little bit worried about? Um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but there there does seem to be an uptick in urgency, and that is something I have noticed. You mentioned to us about the call from the guy in Cornwall. Can you give us a hint about what other directions your reporting is going to take in the in the near future without uh, 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 sort of spilling the beans on scoops that you might have in the works? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, <clears throat> I mean, I'm going to look to report this more from a U.K. level. I think the steps now being taken from the U.S. government, I, I, I think really it's it's becoming a situation where the the UK government really has to take action um, or otherwise risk being left behind. So I I think I'm going to investigate this more from a UK perspective um, in the coming months. But also I think it's going to be more of the same in terms of following all the latest latest news from the US, which is where where all the action is happening right now. Um, But also think as well that the spotlight is going to fall a lot more on the contractors as well in terms of this Lockheed. So I'm not finished with that aspect of the story as well. So there may be more to come from that angle, let's say. Chris Sharp, Liberation Times, you're doing great work. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I hope you'll keep us in the loop, and we will do the same for you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure being on. Thank you for all the fantastic and great work you've done, George. You're not just hearing for me. You're a hero to many of us. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, Talk to you soon. Uh, Thanks to my earlier guest, Jerry Reynoldson.
uh, Representative Dina Titus, Scott Beckstead, and to my colleagues there at Coast to Coast, Michael Cosio and Donna Walker, Ryan Stacy, Dan Galani, Chris Boros, Lisa Lyon, Tom Danheiser, George Norrie. I'm George Knapp. I'll be back tomorrow night about 20 hours from now. Hope you'll join us then. Good night.